Hey dudes, here's a news flash. You're going to die before your wife. Hey women, is it going to be seamless getting your hubby's IRA into your name? Or is it going to be months of red tape or worse yet, probate? Stay tuned because today's guest is going to help you get a jump on all this stuff. Welcome to the podcast where entrepreneurs go to learn about alternative retirement investing strategies and structures and all things related to planning a successful, prosperous retirement. If you're self-employed, if you're a gig worker or solopreneur, you've come to the right place to learn how to retire wealthier, retire sooner, and retire happier. This is the Rogue Retirement Lounge. So joining me today is Bill Harris. He is the author of Inheriting Your Spouse's IRA, The Widow's Guide to Keeping More of Her Assets. Bill is also a columnist and an entrepreneur running WH Cornerstone Investments. As a certified financial planner, practitioner, and retirement management advisor, Bill's knowledge and expertise optimizes his widowed client's financial resources, helps them obtain financial peace of mind, rise up, and navigate their path forward. Even when markets are volatile, Bill can always be counted on for staying the course. He is an authentic, thoughtful, straight shooter who believes in transparency and education, which is why he's spent so much time writing and sharing his knowledge. He also gives back to his community and profession, having served as past president of the Financial Planning Association of Massachusetts. Bill has an MBA from Suffolk University and a BS in management from Daniel Webster College. And finally, he spends his free time hiking, fishing, and hunting. Let's do this. Bill, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Well, okay. I, I think the work that you do is incredibly important, and I just want to let you have a chance real quickly to introduce yourself and tell me what you do. Sure. So I'm Bill Harris. I have a firm called WH Cornerstone Investments, and we primarily help widows um, you know, deal with retirement issues. So um, the average age of widowhood, you're not going to believe this, but it's somewhere around age 59. You'll see different statistics given different things. And so if you do some simple math, you know, we have 70 million baby boomers and I'd say the average age is right there. So we're seeing it more and more. And again, you know, the, the silent generation, they got pensions, you know, they got 80% of the pay for the rest of their life. But this baby boom generation is really the first generation that had the self-directed IRAs, 401ks and stuff like that. And it's really become one of their largest assets. And if you mess up something, it's a big problem. And so, you know, I pay attention to what's going on in the tax courts and things like that. And you just see mistakes in this place, in this space all the time. And you'll hear the media reporting on things that sometimes just isn't factually correct. And I have countless horror stories of people, you know, calling the discount brokerages. I'm not picking on them, but they'll call and the, the call center rep has a drop down box and they answer something. And a lot of times it's it, the question wasn't asked correctly or they didn't ask a further question. And they create a lot of problems. And again, if you just look at the tax courts, these cases are there all the time. And you can read the, the facts of the case before you even know the decision. You're like, oh, they're in trouble. <laughs> they're never going to get this through. Um, and so, again, it's a lot of money at stake. And, you know, if someone who's retiring um, and had a, a modest living, they're going to need a big nest egg. And again, if they mess that up, there's going to be problems. 
Okay, so let's get right into some of the the pitfalls. So, say you're a widow, your your husband just died. He's got a, a couple of IRAs and maybe a four hundred one k. What are some of the things that can go wrong that can really screw you up? So there's there's a couple of different trigger dates, um, and one is age fifty nine and a half, one is age seventy two. Um, and th- I mean, those are the kind of, and that applies to the, the, the spouse that died too. Those can have some trigger things as well, but typically we see young widows and I say young, I mean, under that age of 59 and a half, there's a lot of different options that they have available to them that they can do that is only allowed for spouses. Um, they can roll that IRA into what's called an inherited IRA. They can roll it over to their own IRA. And now with the Secure Act, they have a 10-year option as well. And I'll get, in, I'll get into those a little bit more. I, I just want to back up on the Secure Act. So I had written a book um, recently, and uh, I, I can show it to you if you yeah. want. <laughs> yeah, uh, what's Hold it on called? one second. So it's called Inheriting Your Spouse's IRA, The Widow's Guide um, to Keeping More of Her Assets. And I wrote this, um, I'll just tell you a quick funny story. I wrote it, I brought in an editor to help me, and the editor said, who the hell are you writing this for? Like, it's super technical. Like, you're writing this for widows, no one's ever going to read it. I rewrote it, <laughs> and then the Secure Act passed, which changed everything, so I had to write it again. Oh, wow. Um, but interesting thing about the Secure Act, I just want to go back to the Tax Reform Act of 1986, which really kind of set the stage for the rules that we're dealing with now. And the SECURE Act was the next biggest change since then. So the Secure, the Tax Reform Act of 86 was passed in 86, obviously. It wasn't made final until 2003, 17 years later. We're still wow. seeing court cases being fought on, fought on this. So we have the SECURE Act. We have had twice now, we have had the IRS come out and say, no, this is how it's being interpreted. And, and so it, it's... It's open right now for give and take on what they think, but we don't know what the final regs are going to be on this for a while. So think, if you're hearing this show today, uh, things may change. And this that third option that I just mentioned that a spouse can elect a 10-year rule, when this first came out, we didn't know that was an, a, an option available to the spouse. So um, so I, I digressed a little there. But again, a, a, a young spouse under the age of 59 can roll it over to what's called an inherited IRA. And the reason why that is so important is because she or he can take funds from that and they will not pay any, they won't get hit with a 10% penalty. So they can they can access it. They will still owe income tax, just as they would have if it was their own IRA, but they won't pay any income tax. Now, I, I cite a case in this book. The case was called Charlotte Gee. She had a, a substantial IRA. She was told, she was advised, like, oh, yeah, you can take money out of it and you roll it over, do a spousal rollover. What a spousal rollover is, it's like taking it and making it your own, like it's your own IRA. And if you think about it, if you're under the age of 59 and a half and you take money out of your IRA, you're going to get with that 10% penalty. So, again, there's a little loophole if they bring it over to an inherited IRA, there's no 10% penalty. Well, this Charlotte Gee made it her own took a huge distribution out. The IRS basically knocked on the door and said, hey, you, you, you filed your taxes. You admitted you took this distribution, but you didn't pay the 10% penalty. And they'll, and she's like, well, I, it's an inherited IRA. Well, not when you rolled it over to your own. You lost that right at that point in time. So 
she got hit with some major fees plus income tax and it was a, just a huge you can read about the case in the book i mean it was a huge tax penalty and, and you see this all the time so again under age 59 they can roll it over to an inherited ira they can roll it over to once they get over that age 59 then they still have that option to roll it back over to their own ira and make it their own but that's that key date over age 59 and a half most people the best thing for them to do is roll it over to their own IRA, take control over it, okay. rename beneficiaries, everything else. But under that key date, um, that's where that's where I see the biggest mistakes happening. Interesting. Okay, that well, was a long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> no, that was great because I had no idea that there was uh, this kind of loophole, so that you can um, essentially take an IRA and be able to take those distributions if you're the widow or you know widower. Um, if you're under 59 and a half and avoid that uh, penalty, that's that's excellent. Inherited IRA is what that is called. Yep. Okay. And the, the other option, which we just kind of have recently learned about, is there's what's called the 10-year rule. Okay, so yeah, the spouse tell me, tell could, me about that. could elect to go with a 10-year rule, which means from now until year 10, they don't have to do anything. They can take out as little or as much as they want in that 10 year period, but by the end of the 10th year, they have to drain it all out. And there's no 10% uh, penalty on that either. So that could be, uh, I'm not saying that's the way to go, but there could be some strategy around there depending upon maybe the widow has their own IRA and they might need you know, some money. But it's just another variation of that rule. And that was something that the IRS has just clarified for us recently because there were people in this industry and very smart people strategizing like, I'll do the 10-year rule and then I'll flip the switch and go to an inherited IRA and then I'll flip a switch again. And so everyone was kind of looking for guidance around this and they finally gave the guidance. You, you have to declare like, yeah, I'm doing the 10-year rule or I'm going to do and it's, it's, it's one or the other. You can't do both. Gotcha. Yep. But the, but the 10-year rule will also give you that, that essentially that loophole. So if you get it when you're under 59 and a half, you can yep. avoid that uh, the 10% early withdrawal 10 penalty. 10% penalty. Yep. Okay. Now, I, I just want to add, you could have inherited an IRA from your uncle, right? Um, right. And you're going you're gonna to get hit with that. that it's going to be the, the same 10-year rule as well. Um, but again, it used to be prior to the Secure Act, you'd have to take required minimum distributions every year. But with this new 10-year rule, you don't have to do it anymore. So you could just wait until year nine? And year then nine and take, yep, take it all As much as you want. Okay. Yep. And the, the problem with waiting might be, obviously, you might have a huge tax bill in year nine. <laughs> right, so right. So it might make sense to spread it out along the way. Gotcha. But it's not an RMD situation where you have to take a minimum out in, in a given year. Okay. But pri prior to the SECURE Act, again, and, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is because there were people who obviously inherited things back in 2018, 19, whatever, and they, they're under the old rules. So the old rules are still out there, but going forward, we have this new, these new set of rules. So it is extremely confusing. The old rules were, I, I love the Secure Act. I think it made it a lot easier the way they did things. I mean, we used to have this thing called 70 and a half. And I have been told, but I'm going to verify this. One senator was 71 and the other one was 70. So the compromise, well, they said, well, when you're 70 and a half, you've got to start doing things. <laughs> okay, um, that's and funny. I, I believe that to be true, but don't ask me who the senators were. But again, they did it and they just said hot age 72. And it kind of made it a lot easier. Gotcha. Okay. So now you help people in your, you have a, a private practice. Uh, you, you help people kind of navigate these waters, don't you? 
We do, and and what we and and again, there's so many different advisors out there focusing in different spaces. We seem to uh, attract kind of really complex situation. You know, the husband might have been a business owner. They have property in multiple states. They usually had good estate plans set up and they have an accountant and a lawyer, but someone that is there guiding, holding hands and kind of navigating all this and translating and everything seems to be where we do our best work. Interesting. So yeah. if it's, so you're saying that maybe if it's, if it's as simple as just like a, a, a single, like a 401k, someone could take care of this stuff unassisted, maybe have buy your book and learn about that stuff. So they uh, might not it, need to hire a professional for yeah, that. It might not, I, I would, I guess, caution people, the bigger, the, the bigger the account, <laughs> right. the more you might want to get some, some good help in there. I mean, if you inherit a $10,000 IRA and you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. But when right. you have a multi-million dollar IRA and you make a mistake, um, the, the saying I like to do, it's very difficult to get the toothpaste back into the tube once it's out. Um, so you just want to be careful and, and make sure you know, know what you're dealing with. Listen, I had a neighbor, um, again, went to one of the discount brokerages and she had inherited an IRA from her mom and she called um, the, the, the call center and said, hey, I inherited, I think it was, I think it was 60,000. What's a big number? That can, be, that can be a really big number for some people, not for right. others. But she inherited yep. like 60,000. She called the call center and said, hey, am I going to own any estate taxes on this? And the person on the other end of the phone said, no. And that was the end of the conversation. She uh. drains the IRA. Redoes it to her kitchen, and a couple of years later, the IRS comes knocking and said, "You never paid any income tax on that." And they leaned her, they leaned her property, and she had to pay back, you know, the IR the taxes that she owed because she didn't have the taxes. But again, this is what where Ouch. I think dealing with a qualified professional is so important because they would have asked questions or expanded a little bit more. No, there's no estate tax on that. However, there will be income tax. Uh, just some simple extra stuff would have helped that person immensely. Gotcha. Okay. And like you said about the, the, the not being able to put the toothpaste back in the uh, tube, if you pull out money or do, do a rollover to a spousal IRA, it's irrevocable. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. Once you go to the, once you go to the spousal rollover, which is making it your own, that's mm -hmm. it. Now you can go to an inherited IRA and wait any amount of time you want, and only a spouse can do this, keep in mind. Okay, right. And then move it to a spousal IRA, but you can't go the other way. And gotcha. again, this is some of the complexity that like, I, I just deal in on a daily basis, but you can see how a common layperson is like, you know, they're not going to know this. And, right. and I'm not picking on the call center people either, but they're fielding questions from all over the place and all different stuff. They're probably not going to think about it either. Yeah, and like you say, they're dealing with drop-down menus and decision trees and yep. canned responses. And so, I mean, they yep. could pick the wrong question. And, I mean, there's there's a million things that can go wrong when you've got somebody who's basically reciting words on a page, you know. Correct. So. Correct. Okay, so somebody uh, becomes a widower. They need your services. They are in, say, California. You're in Massachusetts, Correct. I'm in Massachusetts. Okay. Are there any are there any things uh, issues state to state that uh, that are gotchas or can you can you work with people all over the country? You can work. Well, first of all, Matt, thank you. This is like a commercial for me, so I appreciate it. But <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, this we is can, all, This is all about you, Bill. Seriously, because I think it's really important for people to know. We can work with anyone. What what 
at a state level, every state is different as far as how they tax an IRA. So typically money coming out of an IRA is going to be income taxable. Some states are going to tax it. Some states are not. So it really okay. depends upon what, what the state is. Um, but there's, there's no other major issues that, that I know of with IRAs. So they're pretty gotcha. universal. But again, the taxation of them at the local level um, is going to be state by state. Cool. Okay. Well, you probably see a ton of people who just, you know, it's like, oh, my husband died. Clearly, I wasn't expecting this to happen. Um, I, I don't know where the passwords are. You know, there's a million things that can go wrong with the death of a spouse. Um, do you have advice for people who come to you when when both both spouses are still alive? Do you have steps that you recommend that people take to manage this stuff beforehand? Yeah, and I listen, uh, man, man to man here. Like, yes, sir. we're gonna live forever. You know what? We think we're gonna live forever, <laughs> but uh, the smart yeah. guys know and they plan, and and we do see a, a decent amount of people come in to kind of say, "Hey, if I'm not here, like, what's the drill?" And we literally try to put them through a fire drill and say, "You know, all right, goom, you're, you're not here. Like, what's gonna happen?" The biggest challenge we see, and I'm gonna say, in a traditional marriage, is access to capital. So just Picture the husband's the one working and the wife is, is you know, staying at home, whatever the case may be. Uh, oftentimes, they'll have a credit card and they'll each have a card, but people don't realize a credit card is is really only in one person's name. And when that person dies, that credit card is gone. And right. so I, I can tell you, a great as someone who was fabulously wealthy, uh, their husband died and she was on the credit card, but they she had never worked. They only gave her a three hundred dollar limit, and you know it gets worse when you go to pump gas. They put a hundred dollar hold on a card, so just imagine you went to the grocery store and you're coming home and trying to put gas in the card. Like all of a sudden you're at your limit, so it's a big problem. So we we try to we try to simulate what would happen um, when someone dies, and literally we go account by account and 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 walk through what would happen. One of the the most powerful tools that people have at their disposal is naming beneficiaries properly. And, and it gets missed a lot. A lot of times, like one person has the bank account in their name, they own the car and all that kind of stuff. Right. But you got to really look at the ownership. And most people don't realize you, for most assets, especially paper assets, you can name a beneficiary. Husband and wife's ideally, it should be jointly owned. Um, and you can still with, you know, name, It's we like to call it TOD or POD, transfer on death, payable on death. Meaning if then if they're both killed at the same time and they're not joined, at least it's going to go to the kids. Like you want to name those beneficiaries. It's so, so important. And we see it's just that's a basic thing we look for. We want to make sure everything has, you know, beneficiaries named and, and contingent beneficiaries named as well. Um, and that's, again, obviously, if you have an elaborate state estate plan, you don't want to go in and start changing the beneficiaries on your account if you like had a, a you know, a trust owning it or something like that. But right. most people have done no state planning work and they don't even have names properly, you know, beneficiaries named. They might have been divorced or remarried or whatever the case may be. And it's just some stuff every time we go through and, and check beneficiaries, we always find little glitches. Um I think it was Duracell, you know, in the fall, in, in mass anyways, we we changed the clocks, uh, daylight saving times, and there uh, was a right, saying, right. change change your clock, change your batteries, like change the batteries in the fire alarm systems yep. and all that kind of stuff. We say the change your clock, change your batteries, check your beneficiaries. Like, it, you just need some <laughs> kind of procedure every year to go in and check this stuff. Um, I can tell you another great story. A friend of mine's son was working at a bank as an internship. 
one bank had gobbled up another bank. And we just say, hey, what are you doing for the summer? He's like, oh, I'm working for XYZ Bank. What do they have you doing? He goes, I'm shredding papers all day. The new bank doesn't want to see the logo of the old bank. He was shredding beneficiary forms, we found out. So these things, get they get lost. Yeah. Um, we just had an, a case recently. Spouse died. A custodian had taken over the simple IRA. And the custodian claims they sent a letter that said, you got to name new beneficiaries that the the surviving spouse ignored it, but basically they had a, a beneficiary on file with the old custodian. A new custodian bought that one out and said, hey, you got to put new ones on. She never did. He died. She wasn't listed as beneficiary as, as, as his spouse, so it becomes a probatable asset. And so that opens that up to anyone who wants to file a, a claim on. So again, you see this stuff and you just got to make sure you're on top of that all the time. But the big, to reiterate, the big things to think about when a spouse or a couple comes in is do the fire drill, like what's going to happen and then double check the beneficiaries because they can save a lot of, a lot of uh, headaches in advance. Okay. That I'm, I, that's fascinating to me because I think of when I have uh, designated a beneficiary in any of my accounts, I I consider that kind of a permanent action. I never even thought about you know if there's some kind of change in in who the the custodian is causing a change of that. And I never never even considered the the possibility that they could be shredding the documents that might have my beneficiary information. That's yeah. that's and insane. That, that, that was two small banks doing that, but still insane. Still, um, but the big custodial. Buyout stuff, think about it. I'm gigantic custodian one and I'm buying out gigantic custodian two. They might have had some strange rules to their beneficiary forms or whatever. There's something called per stirpes and per capita, which means how do the next, like things flow to the next generation if things aren't probably named. And so it's it would be very common for them to reach out to all the people that are members, participants, whatever you want to call them, and say, hey, we're really requiring new beneficiary forms. Like, let's go. We're not going to honor your old ones. And if you ignore that and you don't do anything, you, you could have a major problem. Interesting. Wow. You qualified plans, Matt, just so you know, if it's a mm -hmm. qualified plan, like a 401k, the, your spouse is going to be the default beneficiary anyways, but if it's an IRA, that's not the case. So, Okay, well, and since we're, in general, my audience is self-employed people, you're going to be talking about IRAs that live in all sorts of Absolutely. various places. Absolutely. You're going to be IRAs, SEP IRAs, simple yeah. IRAs, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, right. that needs to be checked all the time. We, we go crazy on this stuff. We tell people, get a printed copy, sign it with a wet signature, Send that to your advisor, your attorney, oh, wow. and send it back to the company. A lot of people are just going online and typing in their beneficiary. And I, my only fear with that, if there's ever a challenge by someone, like, well, someone filled it out online, so we just assume, like, there's no real proof of the legality of it. We want that wet signature on file, and, and so we, we go to that extent on a regular basis, yeah. Okay, well, then there's a, there's a good piece of advice right there. Get, get it, do it in writing keep a copy. Yep. If they need a PDF, you can scan it and send it to them, but keep the actual copy so that you can prove that you did indeed designate whoever your beneficiary is. Yeah. We just had a, uh, an 85, 86 uh, old year gentleman. He had a massive Roth IRA. So this is going to be a tax-free asset for someone. His deceased spouse was the name beneficiary. Oh. He remarries, companionship kind of marriage uh, after this. 
He's got four or five kids. I forget how many kids. So he's got a new bride who's was pretty well off. Wasn't really looking for his assets, but you know, if he if he goes with his deceased spouse listed as the beneficiary, like I think there might be a little fight on hand. Like <laughs> you just mm-hmm. you just see this stuff all the time. Um, so interesting. I had an estate planning husband um, had listed his mother as a beneficiary on something. Like it. So the point I'm trying to make is. It happens like to the best of us. My, we started a new 401k plan for our business. My wife forgot to name a beneficiary, which would have been me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but wow. I'm just saying it, it's such an easily overlooked thing that, but it's such a simple thing to forget that we just stress it so much. It's so important. So in your experience working with a lot of different uh, high net worth people, do you, are you, my general bias is that high net worth people kind of have their shit together. They, they, their, their ducks are in a row. You know, you don't get to be rich by forgetting the details. In your experience, are high net worth people, do they have all this stuff buttoned up or? Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, not, not always, but most times we, our experience has been they do. What, what we, it's funny, I hear in the industry, um, so uh, obviously I'm a certified financial planner, but you hear in the industry, like, make sure you're dealing with the, the spouse because, you know, a lot of advisors ignore the spouse and talk to the husband, mm-hmm. right, in a traditional right. marriage. And then the husband dies and the spouse is like, that guy was a jerk. I'm out. He didn't even look me in the eye. He didn't even talk to me. Um, our experience has been the husband was the financial planner. There was no advisor. He did the investing. He set up everything. They usually have a trust and things, estate planning documents set up and a CPA. But if you think that 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 spouse who wasn't, she usually doesn't. And I keep saying he and she because statistically the sure. male's going to die first. So I apologize right. to anyone's situation that is different than that, but it's just statistically a fact. Um, yep. And But we'll see that the, 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 that spouse has never dealt with any of the investment, doesn't know how to do any of it. And you're, you're really helping out with that. You know, you're replacing that husband as the finance person that he was, and it, of course, it can go the other way. It can be the she, and but I'm just sure. experience has been, yeah. Of all of our clients, there's only one male widow that we have. All of them are female widows. No kidding. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I, and I, I, that's for for the men out there. I got to tell you, I spent the last seven years dealing with uh, my mom, who was in uh, nursing homes, and. For every dude in these nursing homes, there's 20 women, and yeah. um, so statistically, what what Bill's saying is is true. You, in all likelihood, you are going to die before your wife, so uh, or your domestic partner, whatever you want to call her, and um, you, you need to take care of this stuff. Uh, Bill, is there anything else that you would uh, want to leave us with uh, as far as advice before before the spouse dies? Uh, no, I just wanted to add on that stat that you had, and it's it's sobering and blunt. But you know, if you're married, there's only two things that's gonna happen: you're either gonna get divorced, or you're gonna end up being you're either gonna die or be the widow. I mean, it's gonna happen. You're gonna yep. have to deal with this, and so even if you get divorced, it's a similar situation. Um, you better go through that fire drill and know what's gonna happen. The the uh, and I'll say it again: making sure you have beneficiaries named um, is important. And also understand the nuances of these different plans. A 401k is not an IRA. Well, they're very, very similar, but there are little little different rules every now and then. And then right. qualified plans have what's called a plan document. 
and they vary from plan to plan to plan. And the saying goes, the law of the plan is the law of the land. And so they can be different. And so you re we always tell people if you're dealing with a qualified plan, get what's called the summary plan description. So you can see in case in case of death, divorce, or retirement, whatever, you know what the rules are for that plan. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Well, Bill, uh, how can people find out more about you and the services that you provide? Sure. So I think the best thing to do is go to our website, which is whcornerstone.com. So I'll say that again, www.whcornerstone.com. And uh, you can reach me through there. There's an info at WH Cornerstone. Our first hour is complimentary. Um, and we answer phone calls all the time. We, we get, I'm going to say bizarre phone calls. Uh, and I don't mean to diminish them. I had someone in, you know, one of the states down south and said, you know, my husband was a prison guard at so-and-so prison. Like, what's his benefits? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, you, you're going to have to call HR on that one. So we get some crazy questions. But again, we're happy to help in any way we can. And uh, we, we, you know, I talk about the complimentary. If we can help you, we will. Um, and if, if it looks like it's going to be a drawn-out big process, we'll, we, we always quote things in advance. And so there's no surprises. Excellent. Okay, well, I will put a, a link to your website uh, in the show notes. And... I just, uh, again, I think what you're doing is incredibly important, and I think we all need to take uh, control of the fact and take ownership of our uh, mortality. And um, yeah. part of that is getting your ducks in a row before you die. And if you don't have everything ready, uh, Bill can be a great resource for you and can save you and your spouse a lot of headaches. So, Bill, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, before we sign off, remember, go to rogueretirementlounge.crypto to sign up for your very own BlockFi account. This is the future bank, the bank of the future. You're going to get up to a $250 crypto bonus, and you'll be on the best exchange out there. Uh, and you'll be able to earn interest on your crypto. I'm right now getting 4.5% on my Bitcoin. And if you're into stable coins, you'll get double that at least. So anyway, that's rogueretirementlounge.com slash crypto to get your BlockFi account and your bonus of $250 in crypto. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com.